feels that way tonight he's brought you so far brought you through so many difficult things me and Carol talk about it quite frequently we was talking about it one day this week and she said I just don't see how people live without the Lord in their life I don't see how they do it and I said well I, I understand that but the sad part about it is many of them do and they think they're living a normal, this, this is just the way you do. This is just what you do. Of course, they have to have drugs, alcohol, this, that, and the other to try to satisfy them. And I wonder how many are on the face of the earth today, seven billion people that don't have Jesus in their heart. And yet to them, well, this is a normal day. This is just what you do. Well... I'm glad I'm not normal. Y'all have known that for a long time. I ain't normal, right? I have no problem with not being normal that way. I need the Lord Jesus in my life. I can't live without him. No, I, I cannot. I would not want to face tomorrow without him in my life. I would not want to walk out of this building. If I have to walk out without him, let me die right here, right now. Let me die. I don't want to walk out of here without him. No. No, life cannot be life without him. Amen. It cannot be. Oh, you say you give your heart to the Lord. You know what life's even about. You're right. In that sense, I may not know what a lot of sin's about. But I've dealt with a lot of people who have known what it's all about. And I compare it to what they've been through to what I've been through. And I think, I choose this any day. Any day of the week. You're right. I've never drunk. I've never done marijuana. I've never done any of that stuff. But I've dealt with enough over the years of my ministry to know I want nothing to do with it. That's right. That's good. That's right. I just need more of the Holy Ghost. Amen. God bless you. Isn't it wonderful to be able to be in church tonight? Yes. Thank God. Nehemiah chapter 8. We bring you greetings tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. Visible audience, invisible audience. May the Lord bless each of you and just minister to you tonight according to your need, whatever that is. Let's read uh, <clears throat> Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. So they read in the book and the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Now they, like true believers today, do not believe the word is like a magic potion that you just read it and it's abracadabra and you know whatever you want is there and we know better than that. We know there's things we must take because God said it. Many things we'll never understand, no doubt, till we get there. But there's things we must understand. And I want to understand the things I'm supposed to and the things I ain't supposed to, I ain't worried about it. That's just plain old country talk, but I think you understand what I'm talking about. I ain't going to worry all my life about things I'll never understand, but I want to understand everything 
I'm supposed to understand. And Nehemiah, which is Tershatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many believes it? The joy of the Lord is your strength. How many knows we need more joy of the Lord in our hearts? How many has a need or request you'd like to just hold before the Lord there? Let's just join our hearts together, shall we? Heavenly Father, it's such an honor for us to be gathered together once again tonight in this place. Lord Jesus, how many times have you met us, Lord, here in this building and not in this building, but in different buildings that we've been in other settings of saints of God, and you've always been faithful to meet with us. The service may not go the way we think it should. It may not even go in the direction, the beginning, the middle, or the end, and what we had in our mind that it would. But yet, Father, we've learned enough about you to know that if we can get ourselves out of the way and commit ourselves to you, then you will divinely orchestrate the service in the way that is the most beneficial for all of those who have needs present and those that will stream the service maybe later. So we bring all of this before you tonight. And we tell you, we do not know how this service needs to go. We just admit it right up front. When it comes to all this stuff, we're just a bunch of dummies. Oh, we've been in church, most of us, many, many years of our life. But we don't know. There might be a person right here tonight that's on the verge of suicide. There might be a person streaming this service that they'll never live another day if you don't move for them. So we just lay aside how we think it ought to go. And we say, Lord God, take this service. May you minister to every person, I pray, Father. May you take the word and help us. And help me, Lord. I stand here so needy tonight. I I just need to get out of the way and and to surrender, Lord, all that I am. That I can give my human instrumentality over into the hands of the Almighty God. Help me to say that which would be pleasing to you. If I'd say anything wrong or anything out of the way, shut my mouth. You could shut the mouths of lions. I believe you can shut the mouth of a man. So help me, Lord, that I'll be surrendered to you, Father. And may the people open up their hearts. May they listen, not with just their ears, but with their hearts. Speak to us tonight your word. Father, you see this prayer call that I'm going to preach with tonight that I have in my hand. Lord God, you see this need. I bring it before you. I don't want to mention it. But Lord God, I'm asking you that you'll move on behalf of this individual. In the name of Jesus. I command this evil spirit that would try to torment this person. In Jesus' name, Satan, you have no claim. In the name of Jesus Christ, 
take your hand off of this child of God. We commit the word in ourselves to you tonight, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And yet, the joy they had experienced here in the book of Nehemiah was absolutely nothing like the joy that was going to be experienced when Adonai himself came to the earth and allowed his humanity to be anointed with the oil of gladness that was going to be more than just being happy because you have things in life. It was going to be more than being happy because circumstances are going your way. Bills are paid. This is good and that's good. You're healthy. Your wife's healthy. The children are healthy. It's going to be more than everybody liking you. Now, if the joy of the Lord in the Old Testament perspective was their strength, then I wonder what the joy of the Lord himself is supposed to be in the New Testament. Now, probably most of the human race feel like that they have experienced an element of joy. And it probably would be very diverse if we would ask just in in this crowd of people here tonight, what joy have you had this week? What joy, now we'll we'll lay it aside outside of church and, and reading the word and listening to tapes, but what joy have you had on your work, on your job? What joy have you had in your home? What is it about life that brings you joy? Or, we'll flip it around on the other side, and we would say, what is it that has robbed you of your joy this week? So has it been a bad doctor's report? Has it been that you've not felt good this week? Uh, You're just getting over a cold, or you're getting over the flu, or you're dealing with bronchitis, or whatever more. And you say, well, I don't have any joy because I can't pay my bills. I don't have any joy because I don't feel like I have that many friends. Or I don't have any joy because I'm really not blessed materially the way a lot of other people in the church are. So I don't have joy. Well, let me just say to you that if you are measuring your joy upon those things, then your joy is going to be like this the rest of your life. And for a lot of us, it'll be more here than it will here. But I wonder if we are looking at joy from the right source and looking at the right kind of joy. Truly, there is a joy in the world. There is a happiness that can be brought in the world. People out there, you're not the only ones happy. People out there get happy about certain things. 
But I don't know if you understand or not, but there is a different degree of joy that a child of God has than there is someone in the world. Let me just call it this way. It is a holy joy. There is a holy peace, a holy fulfillment, a holy satisfaction, a holy gratification that can come only from God and it does not come from an outer source in this world. Now, I'm wondering if we as the people of God are not so affected by the things outside of us from the source of our joy and it's one reason why that we're so robbed from this joy that God wants us to have then, you know, it really wouldn't matter to the devil how our joy would be taken from us as long as it is. As long as we go around and we're sad and we don't really have enough joy to worship the Lord anymore, we don't have enough joy to have a smile on our face, we don't have enough joy in the Lord to be able to raise our hands and worship God, and we just, you know, we got enough religion just to keep us out of hell, but we ain't got enough to be joy unspeakable and full of glory. And to worship the Lord with a joyful heart and to have a great spontaneous attitude of joy inside of us. Now, you know, when I read this scripture here in Nehemiah, and I realize that this is a revival that is based upon a stirring of the word. It is a refreshing of the word to the hearts of these people. And someone asked Billy Sunday one time, the great revivalist, if revivals last. And Billy Sunday's reply was this, no, they don't last forever, but they're like baths you still need to have one every now and then. So to say that a revival will be something that will last forever, you can't find that in the Bible. Now a person can have, be so in love with God as an individual, they can keep revival fires going. But we look in the cycle of the church ages, we look in the cycle of the Old Testament, which was pointing to the New Testament, and they would have a stirring under this judge and a law, and then God would send another, they'd have another revival, and then they'd have a law, and then they'd have another one, and that's the cycle of revival. It's the cycle of revival for the New Testament church ages. It's the cycle of revival in the hearts of the people. It's a cycle of revival in church. And you know, people sometimes will go visit a certain church and they go to that church and maybe they just come out of a tremendous amount of stress and strain and hardship and they're having a, a real revival. And maybe the church that individual is going through, well, they're going through that lull time and that valley time. And the people will visit that church that's having a revival. You know what some of them do? They go home and start packing up everything they've got because they're moving to the church that's having revival. Now that shows how ignorant some of our message people really are. That they would leave a church because it's going through a strain, not knowing that eventually that church they're going to is also gonna come to that same strain again. 
So you know what they'll be required to do? They'll be required to move when that church goes through a strain and they'll have to find another church. Look at the church at Corinth, at Philippi, at all these different ones and they were going through different cycles. It's always been that way. But God does not want us to be revival hoppers to where we hop from one church to another to another. But if God made you a part of a certain church, then you're a part of that church when they're in the valley. You're a part of that church when they're on the mountain. You're a part of that church when they're ascending from the valley to the mountain. But if you're a revival hopper, then you go from one revival to another to another to another. Now come on, don't get mad at me already. Now it's much easier to go from one meeting to another and that's why sometimes that a lot of our message people, they're special meeting hoppers because they go from one special meeting to another to another to another and they leave their poor church and their poor pastor sitting there, you know, to do the very best that they can and then they wonder why they're going through it. Well, part of it can be because of themselves. And yet they wonder, oh my goodness, I went to this special meeting. People were swinging off the chandeliers. They was knocking over the benches. They was doing that and I come back home and here I am. Well, I'd like to ask you this question. Are you doing as much jumping in your home church as you was doing that special meeting? Well, I've seen some of you in those special meetings and I can answer the question. No, you don't. So don't blame me if you ain't jumping the same way here you jump at Brother Tim's or you jump at the youth camp, or you jump at, come on now, don't get quiet on me. Your enthusiasm, you know, affects a lot of other people as well. So revival, as long as we're letting it be determined just by the circumstances and events that are around us, we will never break into the fountain of the eternal joy that the Lord Jesus experienced himself when he was here. Now, he identifies this joy and he calls it my joy. Now, you won't find this so much in the Old Testament because God had not yet become a man. So God had not broke out of the realm of the eternal in the sense to become a man to feel the necessity of having this type of joy in his walk. Now, I hope you understand that the Lord Jesus was so much God that he could raise the dead. He could speak to the winds and they would obey him. But he was so much a man that he felt sickness and pain and sorrow and he was moved upon. I hope you understand that the Lord Jesus, no doubt, to deliver those that would deal with depression, the Lord Jesus must have allowed himself in his spirit to become wearied, as the Bible says, which is where we get depression from. So the Lord Jesus allowed himself to be down and to feel that despondency in his life in order to help those of you who get that very place. And he also, when he stepped out of the kenosis of God, that he left that realm of eternal joy and eternal happiness, and he must allow from the realm of the Father to be able to experience this joy, not on a God level, but on a human level. Now, had he come to the earth and brought just that, that God level of joy with him, then he could not say to me and you, be of great comfort, I have overcome the world. Well, well, that's good, that's good that he could do that, but how could he ever expect me to do it whenever he did it with his element of God joy? 
So he must come to the earth and condescend not only to a, a body of humanity like mine, but he must also step down from the level of God joy to man joy. He must step down from the level of God happiness and that realm of that sphere of eternal peace down to an element that he become chastised for our peace. So what Father God wants to do is to be able to disperse this portion of joy down into the body of the Lord Jesus and render from that a new type of joy that even the Old Testament people did not have. Now, we've already looked at it a little bit last Wednesday night, but Wednesday night a week ago, rather, that whenever there was only really just a very few small uh, element of people in the Old Testament that had this type of joy that they loved the Lord so much, like, like David uh, reading the law and said, you know, it's more precious to me than the food that I eat. And Moses in a special place and Ezekiel and Zephaniah, Zechariah, Habakkuk and all them. There was only a handful of those in the Old Testament, so it was not every Old Testament believer that had that. So they would hear them talk about it, but they themselves did not really experience it. But the Lord did not want the New Testament to be that way. But he wanted every member of the body of Christ to have access into this same channel of joy, peace, satisfaction, all that in their soul. You understand? So he allows himself to break down from that level of happiness, that level of peace, that level of even that godly, holy level of joy. Now, can you imagine God does not feel sadness? God does not feel it. Now, you know, the Bible portrays him in this way that even like the Bible said that God repented. Well, we get our minds and say, oh my goodness, you mean God had a change of heart? Well, Moses wrote it that way so we would be able to catch on the very aspect of, of understanding God. We couldn't even understand him if they had not chose human language to describe an element in God. God knew all of this beforehand, of course. But God must come down and condescend into a level to where that he will bring this to his people in a way that the Old Testament people could not have it because they were not born again. Turn with me, if you would, to St. John chapter 15, verse 11. What's the Lord Jesus? This is some of the most intimate chapters of the New Testament. Uh, this is the Lord, of course, after the Passover and all. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy, notice this now, my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now, once you notice, so there's a my joy and a your joy, and then there is a volume by which God wants us to attain to, and that is full joy. Now this is his desire for every one of you tonight that are in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to notice that Jesus calls this his joy, so it's not the joy of the world. It has nothing to do with the world. It has nothing to do with money, nothing to do with health or sickness or your bills being paid or unpaid. It has nothing to do with whether people like you or don't like you. It has nothing to do with the natural elements that are around us. It comes from one source, and that source is Jesus Christ. 
Now this joy is not the joy that the world gives. It's not the joy if you're going in tomorrow and the boss says, we're gonna double your wage. We're gonna start paying your insurance. We're gonna give you a car to drive. We're gonna give you this and give you that. And I mean, some of y'all are smiling right now just thinking about it. Well, that'll make you happy, I suppose, if that's what really just does something for you. But this joy has nothing to do with any of that. This joy is the joy of the Lord Jesus. Now remember, he's come in the form of human. He's come in the form of condescension. This is not Adonai's theophanic body, but it is the body of a man. But yet Jesus calls this his personal joy. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain. Now remember, he's already told that one of them is going to betray him. He's already told them, I'm going away. He's told them a mixture of some good things, but also some heart-wrenching things. He's told them some very sad things. No doubt they're feeling perplexed because he's made known, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to betray me and turn your back against me. But he wants them to be able to understand their joy should not be affected because of those that will fall away. Now, I know this may seem strange to you because the Lord Jesus is now experiencing this same thing. Now, we know him well enough to know that he does not want people to backslide. That's why the scripture tells us it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But is God up in heaven crying and mourning and lamenting because people are gonna be lost? Of course not. Because he has entered into that and he knows who will, of course, and who will not, but it is not his desire that any should perish, but he knows some will and some will not. So here the Lord Jesus is giving us an insight into this divine joy that has now been dispersed into a human life. And it will be this, that once we receive this joy, he wants this joy to remain. Now, how many has had, oh my, just joyous occasions to happen in your life, whatever it was, and yet in five minutes or 30 minutes or the next day, the very thing that you were so happy about and you felt so joyous about, it was gone. Right? And the very thing, I mean, it made you feel so sad. And you say, I wish I hadn't even had it. I wish I hadn't even enjoyed it. Now it's gone from me. And I wish I hadn't even experienced it. Well, the Lord Jesus wants us to know the kind of joy he has is not that kind of joy. Now, I hope you understand that as children of God, I'm not painting to you a picture from Walt Disney somewhere or a fairy tale of something to where that every day, no matter what comes or goes, you're always gonna be happy. No, that's not the way it is. There's a lot of things in our lives that happen that we cannot be happy about. Come on now. And the Bible does not tell you to be happy in all things or give praise even for all things, but give praise in them, not for them. There is a great difference. 
Now, if you have a flat tire going home tonight and you get out to change your tire and you realize that little flat thing on the back of your car is flat too, and it was just a donut looking thing anyway, and then you're on the side of the road and you realize your AAA thing expired last week and you're going to call them after your chair, well, unless you're on something, it's going to be hard for you to be very happy about that, Brother Jerry. So you know what? There's a lot of things in life that we're not going to be able to be happy about, but we can still have this joy even though these things are compassing our lives day and night. Oh, notice this. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So the Lord Jesus don't want you to have just a drop. Now the word full here is the word where it is complete, the capacity is reached. So it's not like that he wants you to have just enough joy. Boy, you can barely just crack a smile. You know, you barely got just enough joy to make through one part of a hand clap. He wants our joy, Brother Jeremy, to be so full that there ain't no more room for any more. Now, our joy in Christ Jesus results from Christ Jesus' joy being in us. This is the source. Our joy being full comes from his joy being in us. It has nothing to do with the things that are around. You say, I'll be so joyful. I'll be so happy when COVID is gone. And when COVID leaves, something else will come. So as long as we are basing our happiness and our joy on the circumstances around us, Satan will have something there and you'll be up and down like a yo-yo. But if we can tap into my joy, which is the words of the Lord Jesus, then when COVID comes, we're happy. When COVID goes, we're more happy. But even when COVID is here, we're still rejoicing in the Lord. I'm not rejoicing because of COVID. Come on, saints, I'm not rejoicing because this person has got this and this and got that. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. That way I can rejoice no matter what takes place. Because Jesus ain't sick. Jesus ain't down. Jesus ain't weary. Jesus is not sad. So I can rejoice in the Lord. Notice this. So Jesus says, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So our joy in Jesus Christ is the result of Jesus Christ's joy being in us. You see, this is the reciprocating part that the elect of God have. The the, the real elect of God have a delight from their soul in the Lord God. They they don't just have a form of religion. You know, they don't have church entity, but they actually have a delight in the Lord. Let me tell you where that comes from. That delight in them for the Lord actually comes from the delight from the Lord in them. So he delights in them, which turns right around and turns into a delight from them back to him. Now this is why church people, you've got to beat them and beat them and beat them. And when you get done beating, they're still going to do what they're going to do because they're missing that delight in the Lord. And they look for every excuse in the world to keep from going to church. And they look for every excuse. Well, and so-and-so does this. And if so-and-so does it, then I can, why do I have to do this and that and the other? Well, the 
are missing the delight of the Lord. But you and I cannot get that on our own. We can't buy delight. We cannot prescribe delight. The delight must be put in us from him. Then if it's from him in us, it turns right around and comes back from our humanity right back to him again. Don't you understand? That's the part about you that loves him so holy. That's the part about you that loves him with all of your being. You could not do that had it not come from him first to you. But once he gives it to you, then it's yours, and then you put your own flavor, your own humanity to it, and it turns it right back to him. That's the part that's pure. That's the part that's holy. Oh, glory to God. That's the part that's divine. What's this in Psalms 45, 6? Those of you that are familiar with Psalms 45, you know that it is considered to be one of the messianic Psalms and don't take very much reading to understand that. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. So here part of the messianic anointing of the Lord Jesus was that he wasn't just anointed to preach the gospel, and he was, Isaiah 61. He wasn't just anointed to pray for the sick, and he was, Isaiah 35, 3. He was anointed to open the eyes of the blind and make the lame man to walk. Is that right? That's what Isaiah said he would do. But he was also anointed with an oil of gladness. You see, this is what makes us different once the new birth comes inside of us and just a person who joins church or a person who just comes to church and is a part of the religiosity that's going around because they are anointed not just to quit cutting their hair and get rid of their makeup and get rid of the rock and roll music and all of that. They are also anointed with an oil of obedience. They are anointed with an oil of submission that they have the ability. They don't even understand themselves where it comes from because they by nature are stubborn. They're hard-headed. You can't hardly tell them nothing in the world like a bunch of mules. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. But all of a sudden, they get changed and they get reborn and they become new. What happened to them? They become anointed with the oil of obedience and submission to the word. Well, the Lord Jesus not only needed the anointing to pray for the sick and raise the dead, but somewhere in his journey, there must have been a great need for the oil of gladness. Why? Because he stepped out of that God realm. He was going to experience sadness. He was going to experience heaviness of heart and weariness of spirit. And he must experience it in a way that you and I would be born into a darkened world of chaos and he must feel this sadness and this gloom that is around him. So God, even thy God, anointed thee above thy fellows and thou art anointed with the oil of gladness. Isn't that something you never think about the Lord Jesus needing gladness and joy, but this is what helped him be able to pursue the cross. Isn't that what Hebrews tells us? Who for the joy that was set before him, despising the shame, He was anointed with gladness. The Lord Jesus, hope you understand it, friend, that as a human being, he felt sometimes down and weary and even prayed to dodge the cross. The Lord Jesus, as a man, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Oh, you say, did he really mean it? He really meant it. He had to experience that. 
He had to experience, God, please don't let me go through that. Please don't let me go through it. Why? Because he knew multiplying thousands, if not millions of his children down through the church ages would say, Father, please don't let me go through that. Please, I beg you. God, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to go through that. So he allowed himself to go through that. Father, if it be thy will, please let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So it shows the will of Jesus the man was struggling against the divine will of Father God. Now don't get angry at me. Oh, you said, well, that belittles him. That ought to make him bigger than he's ever been in your eyes to make you realize how much he loved us that he was willing to do such a great thing. Now notice God, therefore God thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh. Now notice the multiplication of the anointing that's going to be on him. All of thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia. Out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. But once you notice now, here are some honorable honorable women that are standing in near around the throne but I want you to notice who is on the right hand upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir now here is the anointed king Christ Jesus and there were many honorable women that were around him but it was the queen that stood at his right hand. And the queen was dressed in gold of Ophir. Now Ophir was a city, an area down in the southwestern part of Saudi Arabia, and out of there came some very, very fine gold. And it was really, really, you know, really sought after. So here, it was in the time of Solomon and David, of course, too. And here he's likening the bride to being, she is actually standing there, the queen, in gold of Ophir. So she is clothed in gold, which shows she has now been changed, and gold represents, of course, deity. So the bride is standing right there by him. Notice verse 10. Hearken, O daughter. Now he's speaking to the bride. Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty. Now this is the very reason that the queen can stand there dressed in the gold of Ophir. The very reason the queen can desire him the cream that makes her different from the rest of the world. You see, the bride does not serve him just because she don't want to go to hell. The bride does not just do the minimum. Well, just show me the minimum, what I have to do to get by. Just show me that. Don't tell me none of the rest of the stuff. Just tell me what I got to do to get in and forget all the rest of it. That's not the bride. The bride's dressed in the gold of Ophir. You see, why does she desire him? Because he desires her. There was nothing, I hope you understand, friend, this is why the prophet kept telling us that it's not you that seeks after God, it is God that seeks after you. I said, no man ever sought God. It was not Adam in the Garden of Eden saying, Papa, Papa, Father, Father, where are you? It was Father going to the Garden of Eden saying, Adam, Adam, where are you? And it was God searching you that projected his, he 
his desire in you, and once that desire got in you, then it made you desire after him. You couldn't do it. Don't you understand, children? You couldn't do it. There was nothing about us that would desire him in this holy way. So what did he do to fix that? He projected his desire for us in us, and once it landed in us, then it made us desire after him. And you think, oh, I did it, I did it. You never done no such a thing. It was the grace of God. He desired you. He wanted you. He was seeking after you. And when he did that, he pulsated that from his own being inside of you. And all of a sudden, you got this hankering for him. Oh, my. I've got to find him. Where is he? Where is he? I've got to find him. I've got to have him. And then you think that was you. Hearken, hearken, oh daughter. Notice verse 11. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. So the king desires her. And all of a sudden, she thinks, oh, Oh, I love you, Lord. I love you. I want you. I, I want to live for you. Well, what's the matter with me? I, well, I, I've been crazy. I, I've been running out here like an idiot out here in the world. What the world's the matter with me? Oh, hallelujah. I want you, Lord. I want you, Lord. What did you get that? He passed by your way and projected desire in you. And when that desire hit that seed, turned right around in bride form and from the seed of your soul took that very holy desire and said Lord God I want you I want you you should say I want pale mail I want past blue ribbon I want this and that and the other Miller time now you say it's church time hallelujah oh it's Friday Saturday night it's time to get drunk you say oh no can't wait till it's time to go back to church again on Saturday night Notice verse 13. The king's daughter is all glorious with sin. Her clothing is of wrought gold. Now they would take this gold and make it so fine it would be like threads. And then instead of taking the cloth and weaving flax and wool, they would have some flax or wool one and then they would also weave in little fine threads. You see this little thread here on my handkerchief? We'll say that's a gold thread. And they would weave it all in the pattern. And there she was. She was a mixture of gold and flax and wool. She still got her humanity, but her deity still shining through. <laughs> her clothing is of raw gold. She shall be brought. Listen to this. This is your prophecy. This is just as much the word of God as Malachi 4. This is just as much the word of God as let there be light. Right here is something you can hang on, brother, sister. You will be brought before the king. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. 
The virgins, the virgins, her companions that follow her shall be brought unto thee. Notice the difference between the virgins and the bride. Churches, churches, brides, brides. Churches, churches, brides, brides. But there must come one who will be both mechanics and dynamics. Power of his power, life of his life. Amen. She is him. Notice, with gladness and rejoicing. This is the way the bride will be brought up before the king. We ain't gonna be going to bear. Well, glory to God. Man, we'll fall through the gate. I mean, just bear, just fall and say, Lord have mercy. I wasn't sure if I was gonna make it or not. Boy, there for a minute I thought I was a goner. You ain't a goner, you're a maker. You ain't hanging on by the skin of your teeth, you're hanging on by the skin of his back. You ain't barely hanging on, he's already made it for you. Oh, if the things get harder, I don't know if I can make it or not. My God has already made a way and prophesied that the bride will come before him with gladness and rejoice. And I don't mind telling you one thing right now. I think we ought to have a little gladness on our journey. I think we ought to have a little bit of joy right now on our journey. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. This is your word. This is your word. They shall enter into the king's palace. Prophecy. One of these days we'll be able to stand there and say, this day, this scripture is fulfilled. So there is a joy that belongs to the Lord Jesus. And it's, it's good when friends are forsaking you. Now why could the Lord Jesus say that? Harry, he's experiencing this joy right now. He's feeling it from within his innermost being. One of his disciples is left. All the rest of them are fixing to deny him. He's fixing to be beat. Oh, Lord, like an animal. But he's still got joy. He's hated, despised, rejected. But he's still got joy. Praise God. And he said, boys, this is the kind of joy I want you all to have. Because, Andrew, they're going to hang you on a cross in the form of an X. Mark, the priest of Greece, are going to beat you to death with fuller's clubs. John, they're going to boil you in oil. Peter, they're going to hang you upside down. But if you get my joy, you can hang on that cross introverted and stand there and say, praise be to God. Praise be to God. I rejoice in the Lord. I don't rejoice because I'm hanging on a cross. I don't rejoice. I'm not telling you to not rejoice in your sickness. Rejoice in your sorrow, but rejoice in your Lord Jesus. Because he never changes. Notice St. John 16, 24. Hitherto 
You have asked nothing in my name. Now remember, they're going through a great transitionary time. And they've not really learned how to pray yet. Remember, as they're sitting on the mountain one day, his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And then, of course, the Lord gives us what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer. It wasn't really the Lord's Prayer. It was the Lord teaching us how to pray. The Lord's Prayer is St. John 17. That's the true Lord's Prayer. But he is, wants to get, get it over to them on how to pray. And now notice what he says to them. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. So unlike us, Lance, they had not yet entered into the spot in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. We have no scriptural record that my name would have to cast out devils that they even said in the name of the Lord Jesus. Remember, the word excusia, authority, and power, they were given it like a badge and demons left them. So they just go out there and say, leave, leave these people, leave them, leave them. But that was not the way the Lord Jesus was going to do it through the apostolic age. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus to the glory of God the Father. Is that right? So they had not yet started saying in the name of the Lord Jesus. But notice what comes with praying the right way. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Wow, this must really be important to the Lord Jesus, full joy. Now, let me ask you. If you were going across, oh, let's see, maybe, maybe the hottest part in the United States, we'll pick the desert way out there in the west. And there's big warning signs everywhere. Summertime can become 120, 125, record 130 some degrees. And before you enter into the park there, they're telling you, have water, have this, have that. And you look down at your gas tank and say, oh, Bessie's good. It says 38 miles to empty. Well, it's 175 miles, we'll say, across that desert. Well, I'm gonna tell you one thing. If you're taking your wife across there, the only thing I can figure is she must have a big insurance policy and you're the benefactor. <laughs> Would it be crazy or not? You'd want to put every drop of gas you could get in that tank. You'd have water bottles stuck everywhere. You'd have moon pies. You'd have little Debbie's. You'd have everything in the world to get you across that desert. Let me tell you something. We are faced with more than that. We are faced with hell all around us. We got over 150,000 Russian soldiers that's gathered at Ukraine. We're at a very pivotal time in the world. You better fill up your tank, brother, sister. You're not going to be able to maintain it in this hour just by having a little bit of put, 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 a few drops here and a few drops there. You better let the Holy Ghost open up your tank and fill you to your running palm over. And then shut the lid on that thing and say, circumstances out of my way. Sickness out of my way. You have control, my joy, for your last time. I'm not joying because I'm well. I'm not happy because my bills are paid. I'm happy in Jesus. I'm rejoicing in Jesus. I'm free in Jesus. I'm liberated in Jesus. That's why I can be happy come what may because it comes from Jesus. Amen. 
Hitherto you have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Two wonderful things can come from prayer. First, receiving. You shall receive. And then secondly, of course, prayer opens up the windows of heaven and answered prayer, whether it comes in the way you want it to or a different way, answered prayer produces rejoicing. Then your joy can be full. And prayer increases pleasure in Christ Jesus. A sour-faced Christian is not a praying Christian. An old growl bag Christian is not one who lives in the presence of God. You cannot live in the presence of God. The prophet tells us in 1958, brothers, if you take my word for it, he said, let somebody's done something wrong against you. And he said, you go take them before the throne of God and you get there. He said, no matter what they've done to you, you'll come away feeling sorry for that, brother. And the reason we don't do it is because we don't get to the throne of God, but get to our bathroom door and that's where we stop. But if you ever get to the throne of God, I don't care what a man's done against you, what he said. If you've got the love of God inside of your heart, you'll feel so sorry for that man because you'll realize it might be your prayer that'll turn that man around. Well, come on, saints, don't get quiet on me now. Notice this in St. John 17, 13. Watch the Lord Jesus now, he's opening up even more. This is the true Lord's prayer. Now I come to thee, speaking to Father, which is now still in him. And these things that I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. That they can have my joy the Lord Jesus praying for us. He don't want you to just have the Holy Ghost. He don't want you to just have miracles and signs. He wants us to experience his own personal joy. And for it to be fulfilled. Well, if he, it was important enough for him to pray that, shouldn't it be important enough to say, Lord, I want that. Or do we just say, I don't care. Well, you don't love him right. I mean, of all the things he could have prayed for, but he prayed that we might have his joy fulfilled in us. Now I come to thee. Truly, the disciples are in need of some joy. They've had a shakeup in their message because one of the main preachers has left. Made a YouTube video, as we'd say in our day. And sold out the Lord Jesus. Come on now. Oh my, surely if anybody would have walked with him, you'd think, my, anybody like that, boy, they had inside secrets because they was right there amongst them, you know. And your Judas did that. And the disciples were so tore up themselves. Remember that the Lord Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me. And they questioned themselves before they questioned him. His life was so close. And here they are sitting at the supper table. And they would not sit the way we do around the table, but they would lay in the reclining position. 
And John was on one side and Judas was on the other. And the position that Judas was laying, the disciples felt like he was the next one. He was the next one in charge. The Lord Jesus is telling them he's fixing to leave. And it looks like from Judas' position at the table, Judas will be the one. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Kind of reminds me of Eve in the Garden of Eden saying, I have got a man from the Lord. If you look at that real good from the diary and some of the other uh, translations of it, she said, I have got a man because I have been with the Lord. She attributed her conception of Cain to being God. You imagine them disciples as they looked there and saw Judas and thought, oh my, he's a treasure. He's got the money. He must be the main one. He's going to take us on. And he was the son of the devil. Oh my, they must have been so downtrodden and feeling so awful. But Jesus says, Father, I pray that my joy, Father, you see they need help. They've had heart-wrenching things to happen to them. Oh, don't let them lose faith. It's not their fault, and it's not mine. (laughs) He had to go. In the midst of such things, let my joy keep them. For Father, it is that that has kept And it's going to keep me. Listen to me now. It was Jesus' allotment of joy that's fixing to support him when he will be made a snake on a pole. He's not going to just die the death of a mortal, but a sinner. Every lie, every adultery, every murder was placed upon him. And he will die a curse. Cursed is he that hangeth on the tree. How is he going to be able to deal with this? Joy. Joy. It will pass. This will pass. It wasn't Jesus. Glory, glory, I feel it all over me. Hallelujah. Glory, I feel it all over me. Uh-uh. It was the joy that was set before him. Notice this in Hebrews 12 too. I'm not making this up. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he laid the shame. He laid all of that there. And he compared it to the joy that was laying before him and the joy that was in him. And he said, this outweighs it all. How can you go through life facing what you face? Oh, I'm, I'm waiting for tomorrow. Oh, next week, next week, next month, next year, it'll be better, next year. Yeah, that's what we thought about 21, didn't we? We thought 21 was going to be better. Oh, Lord. 
Oh, well, maybe 22 will. No, don't wait on 22 or 23 or 24 or 85. If you've got the joy of the Lord, you can rejoice in the Lord tonight as if though the millennium is already in the third year. <laughs> Why? Because you're rejoicing in the Lord, not in circumstances. He accomplished his purpose by what? The anointing all over him? He was anointed with the oil of gladness. Believe it or not, part of the consummation of this joy before him was seeing you redeemed. He could see you right here tonight, Brother Paul, set free from sin, who for the joy that was before him. Lord God, the world cannot give this type of spiritual joy. It's a joy that exceeds anything else that the world, I can't even compare really. Notice in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans 15, 13, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. We focus, well, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Well, that's good, but are you full of hope and joy while you're believing? Or are you just miserable? Well, come on, saints, this is the word of God too. I don't want to just believe. I want to be filled with hope and joy while I'm believing. Oh, my, now the God of hope fill you. Can you imagine that God will say, hold on, hang tight, hang tight, hang tight. Oh, 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 Brother Keith, bear with me, bear with me. Oh, no. Oh, that was yours. Oh, shoot. Oh, I'm so sorry. I only had that one drop for you. Now, this next drop is Brother Jim. God don't want drops. We're not Methodists. We believe in being baptized, not sprinkled. Some of you got a little sprinkle of joy, a little sprinkle of hope. And oh my, I don't want to be sprinkled. I want to be filled with hope. I want to be filled when it seems like there's no hope. I want to be filled with hope when it seems like I've got nothing to have joy about. I want to be filled with joy. Can you imagine the mercies that Paul prayed for for the saints in the Roman church? Why would they need it? Their brothers and sisters are being burnt, crucified, killed. They needed to be filled with hope and joy. First Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Whom having not seen... Ye love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy 
unspeakable and full of glory. This type of joy is better experienced than expressed. <laughs> it's better. It's just some. You see what I'm talking about? It's better experience. Now you try to tell somebody, oh, it says, well, what does it do? Well, it just makes me, uh, it just makes me, well, it don't sound up to me. You know what you're talking about. No, it's one of the greatest things that I can know is that I really can't express it. That must mean I've got the real thing. Because if I can tell you all about it, I probably don't have the real thing. I've got just an emotional experience. But when you get this, the reason you'll never be able to express it is because it's the allotment of the king's joy from eternity. Don't you understand what I'm talking about tonight? It's a little down payment of the eighth day. Oh, praise God, friend. It's not just healing when we get sick, but we can experience a little bit of that eighth day glory right now on this earth. Oh, Peter says, you rejoice with joy I, 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 I just I can't explain it. It's just so great. I just how's yours? Well, it's it's okay. I reckon. I reckon I'd rather go to heaven and go to hell. I figure you need to go to hell if that's your attitude. Hell ain't got nothing compared to what our Lord's provided. It's such a joy that the saints can't even get distinct words and expressions. And we're talking about saints that are sharing in the secrets of the minds of God and things that God has had, you know, from the wise, wise, wise people of the world. And even the saints can't even describe it. It is so wonderful. And they're just, uh, I mean, it's just a... Uh, <laughs> And people want to know where you get it at. What store? What uh, script is that? is that? Is that oxycodone or cotton? It ain't neither one. Cotton nor wool nor codone. No, it, it comes from the fountain called the Lord Jesus. And it came because he himself stepped out of that God realm of joy and was baptized with this element of joy. And this is what helped him get through his trials. Oh, can't you see the joy of the Lord also was part of the strength of the Lord Jesus? That he stepped down into this portion and he said, children, I want you to have my joy. Your joy will fleet. Your joy will pass away. But if you get tapped into mine when your bills ain't paid, you can still say, praise God. It's another day for a miracle. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it because he said he would. I don't know how he's going to answer prayer, but I know he will, so I can rejoice in the Lord whether I've got $500 in my wallet or I ain't got enough change, might even buy a pop. It don't make one better difference. I can rejoice in the Lord. Ooh. Notice what Peter said. It's full of doxa, glory. What is it? It's a little bit of heaven. <laughs> Glorification in a joy form. Praise God. It's a peace, a little peace 
of God's coming kingdom. That that bubbles inside of you in the midst of storms when you ought to be out of your mind. When you ought to be so stressed that you can't even survive and you can't even hold your head up. Yet in spite of it all, through the pain, through the agony, through the disappointment and whatever you're able to say, the Lord gave and the Lord take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Satan wants to use life's trials to destroy us. To bring out the worst in us. But God wants to use life's trials to bring out the best in us. <laughs> you see, if we're really in him, the fire, it won't burn you. It'll only purify you. But if you're just a church member, the fire burns you. That's why a lot of folks can't take it. Oh, I can't, I, I can't, how I can't handle what? The fire's setting them on fire. They're burning up. I mean, it's scorching. They're high. They can't say, I'm out of here. But a real child of God, they just look down there and they see all the smelting. It's working. Taking that temper and that unforgiveness attitude and that old harsh spirit. Oh, I'm just melting down. Praise God. Oh, let me close with this. First John 1 and 4. John was so affected by hearing Jesus say these words of full joy that John said, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. You see, joy is not something we manufacture. Joy is a byproduct of our new birth. But you see, it's affected by our attitude. If we think, well, I, how can I be happy when I ain't got nothing to be happy about? You're looking at the wrong source of your happiness. The life that produces this type of joy I'm talking about is the real life, the incarnate life of God. Let me read one more, can I? You stand with me. Let's just read as you stand. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord. Oh, come on now, Paul. Now, his bills must have been paid. Everything must have been going good. I'm, I, he must have been, man, he must have been having a time. He was in the Roman jail. There's a church split going on in the church of Philippi at this time. There was church problems going on in Ephesus. Well, when you study the history of this time frame, there was trouble going on everywhere. But Paul had found something. He had found a way to rejoice in the Lord. And I love the season. Paul had found the season to be able to rejoice in the Lord. You know what the season was? Always. <laughs> Rejoicing in the Lord is always in season. It's not like winter and summer, you know, leaves and no leaves. And now we look around, oh, we can't wait for spring, can we? My eyes down the house the other day, and I seen some things picking up out of the ground. My grass is starting to turn green. I've got little shoots of grass coming up here and there and there. What is it? Springtime. And the season for rejoicing in the Lord is always in. Amen. 
But we have to change our thinking because our thinking is stinking. And we think, well, as soon as this gets better, as soon as that gets better, as soon as that gets done, the devil will bring three more things your way to keep that old sad frown on your face. But once you get in season of rejoicing, it's always in. <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. Now, the Greek word for this, we would say, of course, in the English, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> and yet life can make it seem impossible. I want you to notice, Paul didn't tell them to be happy. Did he? There's times you will not be happy. He didn't tell them to be happy. Do you understand this is a command? This is no less a command of God than it is for you, sister, not to cut your hair. You are commanded to rejoice. Boy, this changes it, don't it, Brother Danny? Ah. This is a command like Acts 2.38. Whoa. I can't wait till Sunday morning. This is not, now if y'all think about it, if you feel like it, you know, I understand you have an answer. He is commanding. The words he uses is a command. Rejoice. Now, it was so unbelievable that this could happen. That he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, it's, it would seem so impossible that it was a double emphasis. Remember the Lord Jesus saying, verily, verily, I say unto you, what double repeat, double confirmation of the value. We have been commanded, commanded our entire Christian walk to rejoice. I've got to say, when the Lord started showing me this, I had to do a bunch of repenting. How many days, weeks, and months have we missed out and didn't fulfill this work? Lord of God, we believe every word. Yeah, you mean every one you know. Well, here's some tonight. Are you going to do it or ain't you going to do it? Well, by the help of the Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to rejoice whether I will, Brother Donnie, I don't feel like it, I understand. And no doubt we've let that devil rob us many a time. But Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. With feeling, without feeling, with the anointing, without the anointing, it's a command of God. Just like going to church, doing any other thing. Amen. Amen. Wow. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Anybody that needs assistance to your car, you can just remain seated and the deacons will help you out. Would you brothers start with me, please? My, this makes me feel very sad because I know I've let him down. I guarantee you as a church, we've let him down. We've been so manipulated by things around us and circumstances and this and that. Kind of makes me wonder if we're not getting close to going home time. Everybody's scared to death about the warming of the earth. And oh my goodness. The ice is melting up in Greenland. Up in Iceland, this and that and the other's happening. Yeah, what's amazing is all that ice melting up in Greenland 
melting here and there, and they're finding big fern prawns, big leaves, finding all kinds of mammoths and this and that and the other with big green things still stuck in their mouths. Makes you wonder if the earth ain't getting ready for the millennium. They're scared to death of the greenhouse effect. That's what Adam lived in, the Garden of Eden. The first greenhouse effect. When the earth stood upright. Praise God. Bring it on, Lord. Praise God. What do you think we're going to do in heaven? You think we're going to sell converters? You think we're going to paint houses and build houses? And, and we're on the eighth day when we get that, what do you think we're going to do? Our whole existence will be wrapped around the king. Worship and praise and adoration. We need to pick it up around here. Dear Jesus, how great your word is. Forgive me, Lord. I've not always fulfilled this. I've had hard times in my life, and I've let the circumstances dictate whether or not I would rejoice or not. And you yourself allowed in your humanity to feel the same thing. And this is why you wanted us to have your joy. It wasn't just by the great anointing of the miraculous. You stopped performing miracles before you went into the tomb. Hallelujah. We have no record that you healed any blinded eyes on the cross, made the cripple to walk. As a matter of fact, Brother Palmer told me one time, Brother Branham had told them that there in the Lord Jesus in his last hours, he could not even have done a miracle. But you was able to hear that thief on the cross, his cry. What was it for the joy that was set before you? So you didn't overcome on the cross. You didn't deal with it because of the miraculous, but because of joy. Joy. It was going to be painful. It was going to be awful. But you knew it would be short-lived. And the joy of me being saved, the joy of you having a church, a people, was before you. Lord God, sometimes you answer our prayers. Sometimes it's a delay. We pray for a miracle instead of sending one great big miracle that does this and that and the other. You send a whole bunch of little miracles. This one, that one, that one, that one, that one. And it's prolonged over a span of time. Help us to see sometimes it's a greater yes. It's still a yes, but it's a greater yes. Anything of your will is always greater than what we ask for, for sure. Lord Jesus, may we leave this place tonight with a new understanding about your joy in us. We emphasize so much about signs and wonders and shouting and running and dancing, and I, I love all of that, Lord. But I've never found anywhere where you prayed that your shouting could be in us. As a matter of fact, we don't have no examples in the Bible that you ever ran or danced 
We don't know that you even done that. We don't know that you ever took off running and shouted and, and, and we're not against that. You didn't pray that would all shout like you. We don't know that you jumped up and down and screamed to the top of your voice. You didn't pray that we would do that. But you prayed that your joy would be in us. And that it w- our joy would be so full. You certainly knew we would need it. Thank you for that prayer. Let your prayer be fulfilled in my life, Lord Jesus. I regret to say it's not always been so. And that's my fault and not yours. I cannot go back and undo those years. But I pray for the rest of my life. May your joy be fulfilled in me. When things are going awful, when things are going bad and stress and sickness and trouble and heartache, may your joy be in me, Lord, always. And may it remain in me that I can fulfill Philippians 4, that I can rejoice in the Lord always. Yea, again I say, rejoice. Praise God. Praise God. We worship you tonight, Lord Jesus. Oh, I, I, I believe, I believe I understand maybe a little about it more. Father, if we can tap into this part, it, it helps us to praise in a more full way. Instead of based upon feeling or not feeling or things are going good or things are going bad. No, no. We're rejoicing in you and who you are and what you are and what you've done. Instead of the paper said this today and gas is going up and inflation's going up and we ain't got no Rice Krispies and we ain't got no this and that and the other and oh Lord, I'm so sad and I'm so depressed. But Lord, may we have your joy. Oh, hallelujah. Then we can rejoice always. In the Lord. I don't rejoice today because gas is $3 and something a gallon. I don't rejoice today, Lord, because we're paying the highest prices for things we've paid in 40 years. I ain't going to rejoice in that. But I'm going to rejoice that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm going to rejoice there's a new day coming. I'm going to rejoice there's a kingdom coming to this earth. In that I can rejoice every day. Praise your holy name, Lord Jesus. How many with me tonight would like to raise your hands in the presence of the King and rejoice in the Lord? Not rejoice in what you're worse and rejoice in trouble and, you know, this is going on, that's going on. No, but you rejoice in the Lord. Here, friends, is the key to the joy of the Lord being our strength. The Lord Jesus himself found strength in joy. Not because everything was going good. No. But this joy that was in him. And it kept him through so much. He wanted it to be in you. And wanted it to be in me. Thank you Lord Jesus. Then I would rather have that than gold. I'd rather have that than silver. I'd rather have that Lord than a brand new car every year. A brand new house. 
Praise God, because if a new house is what I needed, then you'd pray that I'd get a brand new one every year. Whatever I need, I believe you'd pray for that very thing. But you saw from your own earthly experience what joy could do to a human heart. The prophet said you were persecuted from the day you were born to the day you died. Isaiah said you were a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. What an identity. Not a man of wealth, a man of a big name, a man of this or that, but a man of sorrows. What an identity. A man of sorrows. How did you bear it all? Joy. Joy. And then when you got ready to leave, you prayed that that deposit which was placed in you would be divided in amongst your children. And then, Lord, you didn't just want us to have our portion, but you wanted our portion to be full, which shows me we could have our portion and still not be living to the fullness of it. Or you wouldn't have prayed that it would have been full. Oh, Jesus, we worship you tonight. We love you, Jesus. I rejoice in you, my Lord, my God, my Savior, and my King. Praise the Lord Jesus. Let's just worship him together, can we, children? But Brother Donnie, I've got this, that, and other. I understand, friends. I'm not trying to belittle what you're going through at all. You know me better than that. I'm not trying to take away from the things you're dealing with. But I'm trying to point you to a place you can rejoice that'll help you deal with what you're going through. You can't rejoice, some of you. Your hearts are broken. You've had a child to pass, a husband, a wife. How can you be happy over that? You can't be. How can you just be so joyous? Because God in his wisdom took a family member. My, my heart is still broken because of, of the people that we've lost, as we say, and that's gone from us in the last year or so. And I think about them weekly and some of them daily. Why? It's just part of who we are. How can I rejoice in that? I don't rejoice in that. But I rejoice in the Lord. And I rejoice that he's got them. Oh, don't you understand tonight? This is where he wants us to rejoice. I mean, it feels like you need the joy of the Lord to be full in your life. My, those of you that love coffee and you get up of a morning and you start your day my goodness, and your wife has fixed your favorite kind or you have it on your automatic timer for those of you that have one of those and drink it and boy, you can't wait to wake up of the morning by that smell of whatever it is that you drink. I've never drunk a cup of coffee in my life, so I don't understand what you folks like about it, but some of you do. My goodness, and that's your favorite brand and you go in there and you, it come out a little dribble or two while well, you'd be so mad at that coffee maker or your wife, you'd say, don't give me no half a cup. Don't give me no third a cup. Fill that thing up. Well, if you feel that way about coffee, what about the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord will do you more good than Folgers in your cup. I can guarantee you that. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Brother Darrell, would you come and pray for us, buddy? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We've got this prayer request. Could you please pray for Levi's? He's to have 
surgeon on his left soldier, shoulder, rather, excuse me, for a torn labrum, I guess. Surgery scheduled for in the morning. Brother Darrell, would you remember that? Also, as you pray for it. Pray for us, Betty. For the joy of the Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so grateful this evening. Your hearts, dear God. Lord, I, I can't tell you, Lord, how much this is, word has meant to me, Lord. Oh, God, is this humanity sometimes we just have one of those days, Lord. But Father, I'm so glad that you're so mindful that you'd come and speak these things to us, Lord. That we should not look, dear God, to the symptoms or the situations or the storms. But that we should look to you, Lord God, knowing, Father, that we know you in the power of your, of your resurrection, Lord. That we know you in the revelation of your word, dear God. That we know where we come from and we know where we're going, Lord. And we know, dear God, the very moment in time that we're living in. God, it brings joy in our hearts to know, Lord. That no matter what we face in life or what we go through, Lord, we do not face it alone. And oh God, that you look forward in time and endure the suffering of the cross. That we can stand here tonight and pray, Lord, and we can lift our hands to you, dear God, and say, I have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I have been healed by the power of the resurrected Lord Jesus. I have been filled with the very life that he lived and he sent back upon the believer. Oh God, we can rejoice tonight in our salvation, dear God, for it is secured in you, Lord. It's not something that's been given and taken away from us, but you have given it unto us, dear God. And there's not a demon in hell. There's not a devil in hell can take it away from us, God. Oh, how we praise you tonight, Lord. And Father, I ask you for my brothers and my sisters tonight. Oh, God, may they look to that which you've given them, dear God. Father, we don't believe these scriptures would have been given to us if it was something that we could not obtain, dear God. That we could not go through this life without having this joy. But oh, Oh God, you said it was ours, Lord. You promised it to us, dear God. And it's the believer's inheritance tonight. And in the name of Jesus, we receive it, dear God. And oh, Father, may we not look through the eyes of our head, Lord, for the eyes of our head will deceive us, dear God. But anoint the eyes of our heart, Lord, that it sees the unseen, dear God. For it is the unseen things that are real. Satan, you're defeated tonight. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Come out of God's people for the glory of the Lord tonight. For we will rejoice in you, dear God. We will praise you in the storm, Lord. We will lift our voices unto thee, God. That no matter what we face in life, God, it does not determine who we are. For thou hast determined it, Lord, before the foundation of the world that we are yours, Lord. And how we praise you for it, Father God, tonight. Oh, Lord, bless my brothers and my sisters, Lord. Those that are dealing with dire situations in their homes, God, and in their families, Lord. And the heavy hearts tonight of those, Lord, who's buried loved ones. But, oh, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, may we not just look to that, Lord, but, God, may we look to the joy of knowing, Father, that in you there is no goodbyes. In you, Lord, it's just till we meet again. Oh, we believe that, dear God, and we rejoice and 
wait for that day, Lord, that we're reunited once again around your table. Thank you tonight, Lord God. We ask, Lord, you renew the strength of my brother, our precious brother, Donnie, Lord. Strengthen him, dear God. Pour your blessings out upon him and his family, we pray, Lord. Bless my brothers and my sisters, God. Oh, Father, may they leave tonight, God, on this journey, Lord, not with just a quarter of a tank, as our pastor said, or eighth of a tank, but, oh, God, may we leave tonight with our portion, Lord, and that is full joy. You said it could be ours, Lord. Oh, the world didn't give it to us, Lord, and the world can't take it from us, Lord. How we thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we pray for little brother Levi tomorrow, Lord, as he goes for surgery. God, we know before the doctor could even touch him, Lord, you can heal him. But, oh, God, we pray if it would be this pleasing to you to go this way. May, oh, God, there be a quick recovery, no infection. And may it be successful, Lord. And God, those in the needs among us tonight. We just give them to you in the name of Jesus for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Ain't that something he looked forward in time? And he saw you here tonight with your hands up and tears in your eyes. And for the joy of seeing you here, he endured the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's how much he loves you. Lord, how much do you love me? He said this much. He stretched out his hands and he died. Oh, do you love him tonight? Are you grateful for the word of God? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's sing that song, This Joy That I Have. Can we just sing it just for a minute before we go? I know we got work and school and things tomorrow, but we could just sing this just for a moment. Amen. Amen. You know what? I can't sing, brother. This joy that I have The world didn't give it to me This joy that I have I said the world didn't give it to me This joy that I have The world didn't give it to me The world didn't give it I have. 